Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Finch Show and I am James Finch. My guest on this episode is Danny Curry, who also goes by CTK Creations. He is the founder of the Iron Legion as well as the Iron Idiots, and he's just a fantastic guy. We had a phenomenal conversation. I'm going to get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Curry. Okay, so um, the interesting question that I love to ask folks um, who are into this kind of stuff is, when did, at its origin, when did the whole 3D printing thing begin for you? Uh, so it, it, it started pretty early for me, at least I know compared to like a lot of my friends that do it as well. Um, so my first introduction to 3D printing was in high school. Uh, our robotics team won a 3D printer by placing well in a competition or we got a sponsor or something like that. Um, and so it was really, it was really funny because it was like we had this printer, but we basically didn't touch it for like a full year because no one, no one knew anything about the technology. You know, this was uh, like 2016, I think. So 3D printing was still like it wasn't quite the big boom it was in like 2012, 2013 when MakerBot first showed up and everything. But it was still this like mystical technology. Everyone's like, oh, it's a 3D printer. How does that work? It's so complicated. And so I basically just sat on a shelf uh, for the longest time. But then finally, like at the end of the year, like a week or two before I graduated, um, I think it was, we were like, no, we're getting it out. We're printing something. Um, and so we, we took it out and I learned the very bare minimum terminology of the printer. Uh, and we 3D printed this little like three inch tall, like red Groot, which uh, you can actually find a post of it on my Instagram. And so that was kind of like, that was my first intro to it. And I was like, that seems really cool. I want to get more into it. Um, but at that point, you know, I was graduating, so I didn't really get to do a whole lot more with it. Uh, but then it really picked up because uh, while I was searching for colleges um, during the tour of the engineering department, because I was originally going to study engineering, um, there was a club on uh, the campus that was basically just like a mini maker space. And it was called the Maker Society. Uh, and they just had a lot of 3D printers that they built themselves. And they basically, while I was there, you know, asked a lot of questions and found out like, oh, well, you know, every year they do like a little workshop. You can go in and build your own 3D printer. And this was before like, you know, the CR10 or the Ender 3 were really a thing. So it's not like, like printing wasn't cheap yet. It wasn't really all that accessible. And so I was like, oh, that sounds super cool. I want to be involved in that. Uh, and then literally like, within a month of starting college, I was not only a member, but I was an officer of the club. <laughs> uh, I, I built my first printer through the club in like that February, my first year. Uh, and then it just kind of like kept going, you know, we, the, the club kind of had a little print farm. Uh, we did a lot of workshops with it. And so I learned a lot about the technology very quickly in almost a trial by fire way. And when I say trial by fire, I literally mean uh, my printer that I hand built caught on fire at one point <laughs> and had to be put out. Um, and so, yeah, and it, it, it was really cool because I kind of got in just before, I think the newest wave of 3D printing kind of started happening, which was like maybe 2018-ish when Creality kind of changed the landscape with all of these like really cheap, like more... Uh, I'll say user-friendly, but I guess I should say like tinkerer-friendly printers, you know, where it's like the, the cheapest option you had before that was a Prusa, which was, you know, still running close to a thousand dollars after shipping. And then 
the Prusa kits are really intensive to put together and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, I figured out the fun way how complicated the technology was just to then see it get easier for everyone around me uh, and kind of see how a lot of that changed. But anyway, yeah, that was the very long-winded answer of the, it started, introduced senior year of high school and then totally changed my life freshman year of college. So it's a podcast. We love long-winded answers here. That's great. <laughs> the, um, so what do you say, like uh, built your printer? Was there just like uh, components around and you sort of figured it out that way or how was that working? So uh, the club had started, I think it was in 2015, 2014. And I, I, I started college in 2017. Uh, and so basically uh, the workshop, which was called Build Series 3D, uh, basically followed the open source designs that Prusa put out. So um, originally they were like the Prusa Mandel printers. They're really janky looking things. But by the time I got there, uh, the designs that we were using were based on the open source uh, publication from, I think, the beginning of 2016, which was essentially the Prusa i3 Mark II. Um, but because it's not like we ordered a kit, like we were just using the open source designs, it's literally like on the printers we had in the shop, we printed the components. Uh, we worked with a uh, local CNC and laser cutting place to laser cut all of the frames out of like MDF board. And, uh, you know, we outsourced all of the heated beds. Any piece of wiring was like, we just ordered the wire. And then it was up to me to like measure, cut, crimp, solder, like the whole thing. Like it, it took over a month to put this printer together because it wasn't, it wasn't a kit. Like, you know, the boards we bought, I had to load the code on, flash the firmware, do all this stuff. Like it was to date the most intensive like printer build I've ever done, but I'm grateful because it's like, it was the first one. So after that, it just kind of got easier. Uh, but yeah, it was like full on, like DIY hacker level putting <laughs> printers together. So unfortunately, like I, I, you know, I remember when I put my first CR 10 together and it took like 20 minutes, I was like, what the heck, <laughs> you know, crap, I got cheated out of it. Yes. <laughs> I wish, um, I wish my process had been as good as that. My first one was like, um, it was a flash forge, like adventure pro three, mm. which is, I mean, I, I hate to use the term plug and play, but in terms of the fact that you basically got it out and there was like no assembly other than. Yeah, it, it was a pre-assembled printer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so because of that, I didn't get to learn anything. Like every, yeah. anytime something went wrong with it, I'd spend all these times on forums trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with it. And then you mean I have to take it apart to like, yeah, how much well, yeah, exactly. Right. And then it's like, a, you know, a lot of those, it's like they're meant. So you don't even really see the inner workings. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, you have no idea what, what, what went wrong. Uh, and it, it, like that's always the, the fun part of like there's a huge disconnect between people who know how to use a 3d printer and people who know how to fix a 3d printer because of the fact that like there are so many different options when it comes to getting into the hobby you can do what i did and spend a month like you know custom measuring wires or thankfully there are also though options for people who just want to be able to get a machine uh but you know i'm a huge advocate in making sure that you you have an understanding of the technology, break it early, learn how to fix it. And so that way you're not, you know, you don't want to be afraid of the technology is what I, I usually tell a lot of the people in the workshops that I host. So mm -hmm. that is, that is 100% the process. I remember there were so many times early on in my 3d printing and people, and you've probably heard this and I know the listeners have heard it, but I was like in this position where I knew nothing about 3d printing. And then my wife just got me one for Christmas. Cause I just, I had offhand and mentioned that it looked cool. 
And yeah. then I spent like months ready to throw the thing in the freaking fire pit because I was just like, yep. but now it was like just <laughs> what two days ago, the touch sensor on my CR10 Max went out. Mm. And, and I'm just like, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to swap that out. That's easy. Yeah. But it's because you had to go through that process first to learn all that stuff hands on and go through that, those frustrations. Yeah. To get well, there. no, exactly. And it's like, there's a, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll end up talking a little bit about it later, but uh, going back to, I had started a company like pretty early on in college. And one of the things we did was like repair services for 3d printers for like other local schools. Cause obviously a lot of schools have 3d printers, but you know, a lot of the like science teachers or whatever, don't necessarily know how to fix them. Uh, and so it was one of those things where uh, we got called out because, you know, the teacher was struggling for about two months trying to get this printer to work and everything else. Uh, I think it was, he, they had like a makeup bot and a Dremel and we got there and it was literally just that the nozzles on both were clogged. Mm. And like, that was it. And, you know, it was like, I got there and within less than 10 minutes, both of them were running perfectly fine. And it's, it's always one of those awkward things where it's like, you know, oh, well, it was only a 10 minute fix. Like, and it's like, well, it was a 10 minute fix. Cause I had to suffer for like dozens of hours on other machines before this to be able to be like, Oh, that's this issue. I know how to fix right. that. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of times that's the way those jobs work is that they're not paying you for the 10 minutes. They're paying for the yeah. experience yeah. that was gained so that it only took you 10 minutes, you know, yeah. <laughs> covering the cost of the pain you went through to, to be able to identify it faster. Right. <laughs> Uh, so was it pretty early on in your, uh, 3d printing career that you decided to like integrate that with the nerd cosplay stuff or did that kind of have an evolution to it? So it, it was a very natural progression. So I started cosplay basically like roughly the end of my sophomore year of high school. Uh, I actually got into it for charity reasons. Um, there was a, a local charity group called heroes for hope that was based, uh, like roughly 30, 45 minutes from me. Um, and between like I didn't even know cosplay was like a thing until basically late my freshman year of high school when I saw a video uh, that Stan Winston Studios had shared on one of their YouTube channels of a high schooler who built an Iron Man suit uh, out of Peppercora which uh, for those who are listening and don't know what Peppercora is uh, it's basically like origami on steroids you know it's a you you it was the only way you could do cosplay honestly before 3d printing showed up and so it's a matter of people would get these low poly models and use a software called peppercore to slice them up and have it so you could print them on either like cardstock or foam uh, and create templates where you know you could cut it in certain ways fold it glue it and you got your rough forms and the way basically any iron man suit used to be made pre-3d printing was either out of foam with that or people would um they do peppercore with like a heavy duty card stock. They would coat the card stock in fiberglass resin and then cover it with Bondo to give it the level of thickness needed and be able to smooth it out and everything. And it was a very intensive process. I, I had tried making an Iron Man helmet that way, you know, eight years ago or whenever it was. Uh, and it was not a process for me. I, I eventually went back and was able to get down some of the foam stuff, but uh, yeah, so anyway. I got started with all of that in high school for charity stuff um, after I was inspired by that kind of stuff. And my first suit, which funny enough is still my current suit, uh, I got over the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school to start cosplaying. And that was actually a, uh, it was a solid fiberglass statue. Like that's what that suit started as, is it was a kit 
for like a display statue that like movie theaters or someone else would have. Uh, and my mom, who's also thankfully into a lot of this kind of geeky stuff and everything, uh, we basically worked for a few months to get it wearable and it was not comfortable and it's still not comfortable, but you know, as soon as I picked up 3d printing, it was very much a matter of it's like, well, I can use this thing for that thing. And, you know, it, it was very much, you know, I started with a face plate and then a helmet and then a glove, um, and then it was just kind of being in the right place at the right time. I ended up in situations where I started doing a lot more stuff. Like I wouldn't have considered myself someone who does like 3D printing for cosplay until probably around 2018 because I ran into a YouTuber and content creator named King Vader. He was very big on Vine. He has a, a large following still. Uh, and I ran into him at Comic-Con and somehow ended up in the situation where he was asking me to 3d print him an iron man suit for a parody video that he was doing for avengers endgame and that was to date the most intensive project i think i've ever done it was the first time other than a faceplate that i had done full finishing work on any 3d print and so i literally went from like a half finished helmet to i had six weeks to do a full 3d printed iron man suit oh and it was not fun uh, it was like from start to like you know we got him in we 3d scanned him uh to be able to like scale the files and stuff around him and uh yeah it was roughly six weeks from that date that we first got him in for that 3d scan for when i had to deliver it i pulled like three all-nighters to get it finished i had no idea what i was doing half the time just kind of figuring it out but you know just like with building the printer trial by fire uh, and so then after that, it was like, okay, well, if I want to make myself like just a helmet now, it's a lot easier because I just <laughs> did all this in such a short amount of time. But yeah, so that was kind of when those things really fully met. And then ever since that project, basically, I almost exclusively used 3D printing for most of my cosplay builds. Mm -hmm. Now, the um, when you were doing that suit prior to that, did you have any experience with finishing 3D prints or was it just no, like you said, a trial was... by fire thing? Yeah, it was, uh, I had done, uh, I had done a Stormbreaker that was very much like really rough sanded and like heavy coated with primer, just like to kind of fill in lines. And it's like, you know, at the time I was like, oh, this looks great. And looking back on it now, it's like, oh my God, it's an abomination. <laughs> uh, and so that was like my first time that and a baby group were my first experience doing painting with 3d prints. And then, as I said, I basically, by the time I, I signed up for doing a full suit. I had only had a half finished helmet that actually like looked decent following the same process that I use today and everything. So yeah, it was very much like, I just jumped right into it. <laughs> I, had, I had to learn quick. And, you know, at the time there weren't really that many tutorials out there for a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff, which, you know, thankfully there are now, uh, but it was very much just kind of like, picking up different things that I had learned from other mediums over the past several years and uh, just hoping it worked out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There are so many, so many people out there who just have so many great DIY videos and how to videos. Frank's of course, one of them, you know, yeah. the, kind of, the uh, DIY I, content. I, I, I tell him all the time. I think I, I literally texted him yesterday. I was like, Hey, just a reminder, <laughs> but like, I wish I, I wish I had someone like you around when I got started with all <laughs> <Right>? this because <laughs> you know it's like the, the, there's technical channels and there's a lot of stuff like that but I, I think what what Frank did really well was the fact that it was like he didn't overcomplicate it. it's like okay yeah this is the printer 
this is the stuff you can do with it. There's a lot of other stuff that you can learn later, but like, you don't need that for now. You mm-hmm. Sandpaper, <laughs> print, go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was, it was something that a lot of people in the community, I think slowly were understanding, but no one really thought about like, okay, well, how would we share this easily with people outside of the community? And so that, you know, you know that's why I really appreciate the fact that he just kind of like did it. And I remember uh, there was a lot of stuff that because of, the way Frank did stuff, a lot of stuff in the community changed. Like I remember because when I first got started with 3D printing, PLA was a very different material than it is now. You know, PLA was like printing temperature was way lower and it was a weak material. Uh, you could not sand that thing with an electric sander or it got totally warped. It would melt. I, I literally had prints that I melted by trying to use an electric sander early on. Um, and so that was just one of those things where it was like, you know, it became the standard of like, oh, well, yeah, you don't use electric sanders on 3D prints. But then no one really ever thought about, oh, well, I mean, a lot of the materials are different now, at least for PLA, you know, it's like PLA is not the same that it used to be. So why not try it? You know, everyone always shot the idea down. And then, I was, you know, I, I just remember watching one of Frank's videos of just like watching him take a palm sander to a faceplate. And I was like, I tried that and it didn't work. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck? And then I tried it again later. I was like, what? This works now. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. Then. Yeah. We were, um, got last weekend, uh, Brittany and I did a live stream, mm-hmm. Captain Britt. And, uh, we got talking about Frank cause he's riding that. Like, I don't know what, what technical name for that thing with just one wheel on it. Do you ever notice that thing? Like, a, like a, a unicycle? Yeah, yeah. It's a motorized though, where it's just. Have you seen this thing? Oh, the oh, the one wheel. Yeah, the the, the, the yeah. one wheel. And I just, you know, Brittany and I were talking. It's like, you know, we almost need to get together as a community and take like an insurance policy out on this guy, because if he <laughs> jacks himself up on that thing. But on the flip side, if he oh he he's going to. It's like some of my favorite conversations with Frank is just like, oh, how'd you get that scar? Oh, I dropped a soldering iron and then I caught it because my reflexes are that good. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, good job. <laughs> well, on the flip side, if he does crack his skull open, he'll just print him 3D print himself a new one and well, yeah, finish know. it and it'll look better than his real head. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the um see, yeah, I had heard uh going back to your suit, someone told me that thing's like 70 pounds. Is that true? So the when I first got it, yeah. I don't okay. actually know its exact weight now. It's probably closer to 60 because I switched stuff out. Like the helmet is no longer like solid fiberglass and Bondo. Uh, you know, as of now, I usually use the Marvel Legends helmet because it's just really easy. And even though that helmet is like huge, so is my suit. So like proportions wise, it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the suit is probably around 60 pounds now. So it's it is the the beefiest out of all of our suits, to say Man, the least. Wearing that thing around a con all day long oh my god yeah it's uh in that suit uh i am basically like i'm close to six six because the the boots add so the helmet adds about an inch and a half and then you know if the face plates on top of the helmet it's a little bit taller uh and then my boots add basically another three to three and a half inches uh and so it's like yeah when i'm wearing that thing i'm i'm getting close to six and a half feet tall and like you know four feet wide basically and so it's like i yeah i i make myself known it's hard to miss me in a crowd (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of crowd uh we have to talk about the genesis of the iron idiots and the iron legion 
Yeah, uh, it it was literally <laughs> we we like to joke that uh, all of that kind of started just because I got lonely. <laughs> so um, yeah, fun fact for any listeners who don't know this about my username, but uh, CTK actually stands for Curry the Kid because when I started cosplaying, uh, or at least when I started building for cosplay, there was like a 15 year gap minimum between me and anyone else I knew that did actual building. Like I knew people that were interested in the hobby, but you know, it'd be like, Oh, they ordered, you know, a costume from party city or an anime thing on uh, Amazon or something, but no one really built stuff. Um, and so I kind of was like, Oh, you know, I'm Curry, the kid, I'm the only kid that's doing this. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I kind of got tired of not really having anyone else my age that, that did stuff similar. And, uh, I was talking with a good friend of mine, Copeland, whose handle is Melbourne Iron Man. He was kind of the first one I connected with out of everyone in the group. And we were both kind of talking about that. Like, yeah, you know, it sucks. There's like not that many people that do this. It would be cool if we had a group chat and there are Facebook groups and there's, there's other stuff, but those have a very specific dynamic that is not like a small chat with some friends or something, you know, and we kind of wanted something that was a little more personal, not like, oh, I'm going to just post this random question and hope people comment and answer, but more like wanting to get to know people. So we spent like a week basically just tracking down different accounts. Uh, and I had actually known or heard of everyone except for Frank and Kiera when we first made that chat, because Emily had reached out to me uh, when she was working on I think it was her first printed suit. It might've been her second. I don't remember which suit she was working on. Um, basically just to ask for some advice because she saw King Vader's suit. Um, you know, our buddy, Nick uh, Walsh 3D. Uh, I had seen a lot of the cool models and stuff he was working on. Uh, we have uh, Conrad Dehota Craft, who to date is like one of the most perfectionist builders I think I've ever met. Like he was super talented at 3D modeling as well as finishing work. Um, you know, uh, we got our friend Malik Thaxton, who I met via Facebook because I was selling some extra prints I had. And so it was just kind of like, just by coincidence within the last six months or a year, I had like been introduced to, but didn't really know any of these people. Um, and none of us had known who Frank was at the time because this was a little bit before Frank kind of became present. But yeah, so it was just, I, I reached out to all of them. I was like, hey, uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm the only person I know that makes Iron Man suits. It doesn't need printing or anything like that. Uh, would you guys be open to like being part of a small group chat? And, uh, you know, thankfully everyone said they were down and uh, yeah, uh, like basically a few weeks before the world shut down in 2020, uh, I put this little group chat together, the seven of us and yeah, and just kind of on it on its own over the next couple of months, each of us kind of found Frank, just organically and all we're talking to him and so yeah he's now definitely part of the group and there it is <laughs> that, that was how the iron legion started we, you know we we made a, a discord server and everything else and uh just kind of like as time's gone on you know obviously not everyone builds for the same reasons um you know some people post their stuff just because they like building other people are a fan of the stuff that comes with content creation, um, you know, regardless of, you know, if they're going for a following or not. Um, and so the Iron Idiots itself kind of came out uh, more from we, the group of the four of us, were all trying to meet up for a convention, I think was how it started, um, which was uh, Silicon. And so we kind of had a group chat with the four of us for planning that kind of stuff. And it was just a matter of 
the four of us, I guess, were trying to do a little more content creation stuff. Uh, and after WonderCon and everything else, we were just kind of like, yeah, you know, we, it's that the iron idiots, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, it's a little subgroup, I guess, of the iron legion, but that wouldn't be around if it wasn't for the main group. And we don't see any difference between like, you know, the iron idiots versus everyone else in legion. Like we're all thankfully like really good friends and we were all really good friends before, like anyone really saw any success on social media, which I, I really like, cause it was literally like, we made the group chat. And then it was basically like a month after that, Kiera blew up on Reddit. And then like a month or two after that, like Frank blew up on his stuff and then Emily. And then it was just like, it, it was really cool getting to have this chat when we were all tiny and then just like be lucky enough to see each other all start having a lot of success and everything. So Right. Well, then, you know, the friendship's genuine. Well, you yeah, know? you know, it's like, and especially because as soon as people started blowing up, it's like, yeah, you know, Emily has a, a huge following now compared to she was the smallest account when we started. Um, and so it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where I know that if it was like six months later uh, and I was like, Hey, you want to be part of a group chat? She probably was getting like a ton of other messages. Like, Hey, I'd love to talk to you and everything else. And so it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that the timing on all that worked out. Cause it's like, yeah, we were all just genuine friends that did the same kind of stuff. And now we're lucky enough to be doing a lot of it together. Like, for the internet, I guess. I don't know how you want to describe it. <laughs> for the rest of our enjoyment, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's it like going to a con, like in that whole get up and everything? I know you said you're like an NBA player in the thing, but. So uh, wearing an Iron Man suit to a convention is very different than wearing anything else to a convention. <laughs> uh, like my main costume these days, other than Iron Man, is my Star Lord. And that one is always like, you know, I get stopped for photos and stuff. It, um, I'm but it's it's not an Iron Man suit. When you go in an Iron Man suit, you, you have to have an understanding that you are a set piece once you get there. It's like, you know, I imagine at least, I know everyone in our group understands that if you're wearing an Iron Man suit to convention, you're going so that way people can take photos of you. Like you aren't there for you, you're there for them now, you know? Um, and so I first wore a suit to a con, I think it was back in like 2017-ish. Uh, and I was, I, my first job ever was actually because I wore an Iron Man suit to Comic-Con because I met my boss or my, my then future boss, uh, who also had an Iron Man suit. And so we kind of related of like, oh, wow, we both have Iron Man suits. And I found out later he has a party company. And so I got hired for his party <laughs> company. Um, but yeah, and so it's like wearing one Iron Man suit, like causes a scene, uh, having two iron man causes a bigger scene and then you get all the way to like you know these these past few cons we've had five or six together and it's like you're basically like a celebrity at that point in the sense of like yeah you got like a line of people that want photos from you and it's like we we all joke you got like the iron man shovel it's like okay real quick here's a photo okay shimmy shimmy okay here's a photo and you, you, know, <laughs> you, you move at, at 10 feet an hour mm -hmm. uh, and so it's hard to get anywhere but you know it's it at the end of the day it's like that's half the fun you know is getting to to see how excited everyone else gets to to see the suit and stuff it's like they don't know you're you're crying and sweating inside this thing you know like you're suffering it's like oh that thing pinches right now it's like oh but the little kid wants a selfie yeah right <laughs> i yeah I, I imagine it's got to get really hot especially in the california sun yeah well okay and for WonderCon, we got really lucky because normally that convention's like 90 plus degrees outside but i think it was like 
high 60s or something with just pure overcast when everyone came out here. And so it was perfect. Like we all were able to hang out outside. We got a nice breeze and it was super comfortable. Um, and that was definitely all of us set records for how long we had been in suits ever at that convention. I think Frank and I were both suited up for about six and a half hours straight. Um, my record before that was six and a half hours over the course of a day with an hour break in the middle. But so this was the first time I ever did it just straight shot. And it was definitely because it was a cooler day. I would not have made it. I would have been done with the suit in like 30 minutes. Otherwise, <laughs> were you guys staying at a, the hotel there that's attached to the convention center? Or did you uh, have to? I mean, I, I live close enough where I didn't have to, but we did make uh, like Frank and Emily who had hotel rooms. They became like home bases. So it was like, my suit got bunked in with Frank and Kiara's suit got bunked in with Emily. Uh, and so that way, when we suited up, it wasn't like trying to walk a couple blocks from the parking garage or anything like that. So it's really difficult doing an Ironman suit without having a hotel room attached. Uh, you know, it's something I've done a few times. Uh, I think the farthest I've ever had to walk was like three and a half blocks to get to a convention center in the Ironman suit. And that takes like takes a minute <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh. yeah you ought to uh yeah you ought to come to a con out here in illinois i don't live too terribly far from kiera where it's like we'll get cons in like march and april and stuff like that and it's like still in the 40s or 50s and you know yeah, well you know california conventions keep changing when they are we used mm -hmm. to have like spaced out conventions it was like you know there would be a convention in like june july august and then you would have like october and december and mm -hmm. so you kind of had it a little space out it's like yeah you had like obviously summer is going to when you, you you know that's where the most conventions are going to be regardless but it was like there was still at least like three major conventions outside of summer but now they're all condensed there's nothing <laughs> i think i think uh i think beginning of october is when la comic-con is now and that's like the only one that's not during summer every other convention is summer now and so it's just like ah it's toasty <laughs> that's not a bad deal they kind of they tend to do that out here of course with it being midwest weather they have to pack everything in mm -hmm. pretty much you know because yeah if you were to do a podcast like in or at a podcast if you're going to do a con and <laughs> like chicago in like january where it's like five degrees and a negative 20 wind chill yeah like half your cosplayers are going to die before they even get into the hall like that's not that's not fun for anybody um what's the yeah you're you know you had said earlier um about the difference in way that you know cosplayers and you know i, I definitely believe like the quality has like leaped made a quantum leap here in like the last few years oh yeah Cause I mean, I think I've been, I think I went to my first con in like 2005 and yeah, there was like, a lot of it was like, if you got lucky and you knew, so you either, you knew how to sew or you knew somebody who knew how to sew or yeah, you would see a lot of the, you'd see a lot of the cardboard stuff where people would attempt to, and some of them got pretty good at it, but it probably yeah. took like 10 times longer than it would and wouldn't near have the, the service. But now it's like, you go to cons a day and you're just like, oh my God like the quality that people are turning out is, is incredible. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that machines, you know, like 3d printers make it easier. There's still, I think a ton well, of, yeah, they're, they're cheating. You know? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's cheating. That, you know, me and Frank talk all the time. We love cheating, you know, it yeah. makes it easy. <laughs> it does. That's true. It's true. But I think um, anybody who has gotten into this at all learns really quickly, just how much like elbow grease, 
and yeah. even skill that has to be attained to put into post-production of these pieces because you know i think a lot of like, the very first time i produced something i was so proud of it and i threw some primer on it real quick and then painted it and i'm like yeah it's done and then as the months go by the more you look at it you're just like that thing is trash that thing is absolute trash I, you know? I, I, yeah i think it's 3d printing within cosplay and i mean i think just the support that the the whole like cosplay industry has had over the last 10 years because that's a, a huge part of it too you know it's like cosplay is and especially now with tiktok too it's like cosplay is I would hesitate to say mainstream, but it is not the thing it was when I got involved, you know, eight years ago and definitely not the thing that it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or anything else. Um, but I, I think what where 3D printing has done a great job is makes it easy to have something. It's up to individuals whether they want that thing to be like, oh, it needs to be exactly like the movie or if they want it to be just something, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and and I think what's what's great about that is you know, yeah, people like to say, oh, well, you know, everything looks the same when it's 3D printed and stuff. And it's like, I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, that might be the case. But the difference is, is there's way more people getting to do stuff now. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, yeah, every costume was more individual and unique pre 3D printing, but there was way less of them. It was like, a, <laughs> it, would, it would be a hunt, you know, to find something good. And a lot of people were too discouraged to really get into making stuff because of how much more complicated it was. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, there's there's no shame in getting a, a 3D printer. And, you know, I, I've seen tons of uh, like uh, teenagers and kids and everything that are trying to get into cosplay. And it's like, I think Mando suits are a great example of it's like there's silver colored filament. It's a great costume. It's like just print it in silver. Get get something and you can make a costume. You know, it's in. Yeah, there's always going to be people where it's like, oh, well, it has the layer lines and it's like no one no one cares. It's like a lot of I think that's something that a lot of us builders worry about sometimes when it comes to our own work, when we might say like, oh, this thing we did in the past, like looks bad because it's a matter of it's like it's to an individual standard of what we want to do. And there's always that delicate balance of it's like you know, someone can send me something where it's like, yeah, it's spray paint on a raw 3D print. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, you're really going to need to work on this if you want something <laughs> to come out nice. It's like, no, it, everyone starts somewhere. And if that's all you want to do with it, that's great. Mm -hmm. It's like the fact that people can just do that is so cool now. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, that was going to lead me to the next thing I was going to ask you about was just about like, for you the experience within the the community and sort of the environment that it is but I, I strongly feel that we need to as like all of us and and to some degree or another are a steward of this greater community that we're dealing with and I think it's really important to keep the negativity to an absolute minimum because at the end of the day everybody who's here whether they're a super professional maker or there's somebody who just did their first print like we're all just doing it because we're passionate about the same thing and yeah. we're all just so excited to show off you know what it is that we did and i think your level of experience or expertise in that shouldn't really matter like that shouldn't be you know the the thing that you're judged you should on. be here to have fun mm -hmm. and if you know you individually want to push for you know i'll say a higher level of quality once again, that's all relative, obviously, for what it is you want to do. But, you know, yeah, if you want to be more accurate, 
I'm I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that there's a prominent enough community now that shares information where that can happen. I remember, you know, when I first got started with all this, it was like everything was like this weird trade secret of how to do a certain thing and everything else. Um, because of the fact that it's like, as I was saying before, it's like only the best of the best knew how to make a specific type of costume. There was no standardized technology that made it a lot easier for anyone or anything like that. And so it's just, yeah, it, the door has been opened for so many more people to get involved in it now. And it's like, it, it's great. I've gotten to see that transition of like the entire cosplay community saw 3D printing as either one, if it was used in only a specific way, like this really cool technology and it's great to, to be used in high quality builds. But then as soon as it was like, oh, well, those five people all printed the exact same Iron Man helmet. So that's cheating. It takes no skill to make an Iron Man helmet. Now I had to, I had to sculpt mine out of clay. And it's like, <laughs> you know, every generation has a new tool that standardizes stuff. You, mm -hmm. It's really obvious. You can look online as it is. It's like, there's one, a huge variety of models now, which there wasn't when it got started. So this idea of everything looking the same doesn't really make much sense anymore. But then also it's like how people choose to finish those makes a huge difference. You know, you can do your own custom paint. You can go for accuracy, you know, is there's a million different ways to do everything after it's off the printer still, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the, some of these guys, um, there's a complete side note here, but I feel like the, these modelers are like the unsung hero in this whole thing. Oh, we have had a modeler revolution, in my opinion, over the last year or so um, in a very similar way that we saw a lot of the 3D printing cosplay community kind of start going through some major shifts in like 2019 to 2020. I think like 2021, like late 2021 and 2022 is now the modelers chance to kind of catch up with that. And it's great. You know, there's been a huge rise in independent modelers and I'm really grateful for the fact that a lot of that has been able to come out of like the discord servers that, you know, both, uh, you know, our group and Frank built and everything like, uh, you know, we have people that are teaching tutorials on how to model in blender, like literally every week. And it's mm -hmm. super cool. Cause it's like, once again, that's one of those things where it's like, well, only the best of the best used to know that. And so it was like trade secrets for 3D modeling. It's like you either had the really kind of janky models on Thingiverse or you had like bigger companies such as like DO3D who had like industry professionals. But then it's like, okay, you got that one company that's charging a lot for their stuff or you can go for the janky, but like cheap or free alternative. But now you've seen this like huge boom and like, I, I never thought I would see the day that a, individual who just does 3d models would be able to pass like 10,000 followers on anything just because modelers unfortunately got neglected a lot you know mm -hmm. people didn't care about what the digital thing looked like they wanted to see the physical thing right and i am so happy to have been proven wrong by that like so <laughs> many amazingly talented people like you know uh kevin you know vec 3d and you know our good friend walsh walsh oh, 3d man like they are killing it right uh -huh. now and how well that they're doing on social media. And I love that because of the fact that it's like, they're not, they're also not just like, Oh, here's my model and then growing, but it's like, they're helping the community. Like I know of at least 10 different people that are making and selling models now because they were taught by either Kevin Walsh, just as part of like everyone hanging out in discords and being part of a community, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, 
I think there's going to be a lot more stuff that happens like throughout this year, next year, where, you know, as of now, I think the issue is independent modelers still don't really have like a centralized place uh, for stuff quite yet. And I think as soon as something like that happens, we're going to see a total shift in the way modeling works in the community. You know, as it is, people steal models way less. I remember when I got started, it was like, I don't even know how many Facebook groups I just like got invited to. And I would be like, oh, what's this? And it's like, oh, there's like a thousand stolen 3D models in here. Okay. And, and you know, th thankfully now it's like, that, that's not really a thing. People are respecting modelers as masters of their own craft. You know, it's being respected as a part of the process as opposed to just like, oh yeah, that's just a model. You know, mm -hmm. that doesn't matter. So. Right. <laughs> well, these guys like Vec and Walsh, like they just need to stop. I mean, just stop. It's like every week something new pops up and I'm like, I, I can't right now. I like all my printers are tied up, but I need that. Like that yeah. is, God, what was that one that Walsh just put up this week of that? Like, uh, was it, Iron the, Man. Uh, the, was it the 85 or yes. like Batman helmet? Yes. He, he, he's been putting out so much. We don't even know. Which, <laughs> which I know <laughs> you can't say, Hey, did you see that new one? Yeah. You'd literally be like, which new one? Yeah, for sure. Um, that being said, the, um, since you've kind of like been on this path and you've done these things, what uh, all in all, how has the community been to you? How, how have you felt about it? So it, it's been a matter of, uh, it was kind of interesting because, you know, as I said, I got into to a lot of this before like 3D printing was cheaper or, you know, mainstream enough to be using cosplay. And so it was really interesting for me seeing the like really weird melting pot of how the 3D printing cosplay community formed. Cause that, in my opinion, at least did not exist like five years ago. It was in maybe it's baby, baby infancy, you know, in like 2017 and finally kind of started showing up in 2018. Uh, and that's been, I think the most interesting thing for me. Cause you know, it was like, I, from the like straight cosplay side, it was always like, Oh, well, like yeah you know 3d printing is cheating or it's you know not reliable it's like yeah you know people could print in pla but pla as i said used to be really weak it's hard to do finishing work you know everything else abs on cheaper machines would warp so you couldn't really make anything big um and so it was just really limiting uh meanwhile on 3d printing side because i've obviously i've been very involved with that because of my engineering and industrial design background uh it was really interesting seeing how like the engineering side of 3D printing like looked down on this idea of 3D printing being like a tool for hobbyists and makers. Like you don't need to be an engineer to use a 3D printer. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting kind of seeing like almost like the idea of 3D printing cosplay get bullied from like both sides, <laughs> to be honest. And seeing it just kind of like, yeah, slowly people started figuring out. Slowly people started making their own little groups like I did. And like, eventually just seeing it kind of explode in you know the last two years especially where it's like 3d printing and cosplay could not be separated at this point you know and it, it's it's really cool to see how quickly uh the stigmas and stuff against 3d printing have changed in the both the cosplay community and the 3d printing community <laughs> itself you know it's like the, this idea of like cosplay being the reason people buy 3d printers is like a huge selling point now for mm -hmm. a lot of these these manufacturing companies which is absolutely wild to me you know it's <laughs> like you know when i got started it was like you're using that 
fancy piece of engineering equipment to make masks like what's wrong with you <laughs> and, and now it's like literally you know people will like companies will be like oh this is great for cosplay and it's like wow yeah it's it's it has come so far so fast and it's really cool that i was able to get in like just before that to kind of see how that's changed <laughs> and so it's like yeah it, it's just it's dope getting to see the direction it's going and everything i'm, I'm excited to see how it continues to grow you know mm -hmm. yeah that's one of the things that i i've been thinking about because it um you know and i had this thing where i feel like everything that you're talking about i was like 100 oblivious to and I just like walked into it like, oh, 3D printer. Oh, hey, look at the cool stuff I can make. And I just started making stuff. And it's like later you find out that there was like stories and evolutions for different the wars, yeah. the battles. <laughs> like even Kiera told me that like she was like later getting into 3D printing because she was a phone builder and thought 3D printers were cheaters, you know, yeah. and eventually decided to give it a go. And, you know, now, now, now here we are. The, um, yeah, that's, that was, and that was the big thing for me. Cause like I, you know, my first printer was just a little flash forge and it was great for me at the time. Cause I was mainly making minis for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, that was perfect for that. It was the first time I was like watching Mandalorian and I'm like, dude, you're like, Oh, I want that. <laughs> I if I could do that. And that's literally how this all started for me is I, I went into YouTube and typed in 3d print Mandalorian helmet and frank's video came up and that was like the I, next that, that was how I, that was how i found frank <laughs> yeah. i i just because it was one of those things where it's like i was waiting to start seeing other people doing it and you know as a you know early college student like i wasn't really in the place to like be making tutorials myself as i was still figuring stuff out uh but i was like you know i was waiting like every few months i would search like 3d printed iron man to see what popped up find some new builders and everything and then finally i, I did it one time and you know, I see this uh, Mark 85 update nine. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? And I clicked on it. I'm like, oh, this, this guy seems pretty cool. I like that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Now here and now here we are both sitting here doing, you know, talking about this. So <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what? Um, so the question that I have, because I think this is important, because I, one of the things that I've found um, when it comes to listeners to this podcast is you run into people who are either like deep in the community, like they just they, they can't get enough of this stuff. So they're just like soaking up every ounce of it they can't or people who are which I think you see a lot of and I'm not disparaging it, but a lot of noobs. And the reason why is I think within like the last couple of years, there's just been like a supernova of yeah. 3d printers which is great i'm not disparaging that because i was one of them you know what i mean um so you get a lot of people who are new are maybe to some extent insecure are trying to figure out where they're going with all this so after after i unload all that <laughs> my question is is that uh you know what kind of motivation or advice do you have for people who are new to this thing uh See, that's always the fun magic question. It's like, well, what is the magic piece of advice? And right. it honestly, it, it's a matter of um, like, if it's something you want to do, just get started. You know, th there's literally never been a better time to try and get involved with a lot of this stuff um, with how fast the community is growing and everything else and ask questions but also make sure to use Google <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, there, there is always a, that little bit of disconnect where it's like people are afraid to ask questions. And then there's people that ask questions 
that don't need to be asked. Like the amount of information that is out there, you want to make sure regardless of before you do anything, educate yourself on what you're getting into. I think that is the big thing. A lot of people who want to get into 3D printing don't do. They're like, oh, I hear I can get a 3D printer for this. And they'll buy a machine, not really know too much about it or you know something along those lines, get it, be afraid of the machine itself. And then when, as soon as something doesn't work, it's like, ah, it's either, oh, it's broken or, oh, I don't know how to use this and to whatever for it. And so it it's very difficult for people who I think don't have someone else that can help guide them with that. And mm-hmm. I, I think when it comes to those people, there's a huge community now that you can come ask that, you know, between like Frank's server, the Iron Legion server that we have, like stupid questions are not stupid. You know, as long as people are actually making an effort, there is a ton of people now that are willing to help people get started with it, which is, which is great. Um, I mean, I, I'm really happy to know the fact that like, I know like me and Frank at least talk all the time about, we try to get back to every message that people have when they ask us about printers, whether it's troubleshooting or advice or anything else. Um, so to kind of wrap that up into a nice little piece of advice, um, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into because being educated and knowledgeable is the most valuable thing that you can do before getting into any of this. And then the only reason that you shouldn't get into something like this is because you don't want to do it. If it's something you want to do, there should be no other reason to hold you back from it. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially now because printers are so much more affordable than they used to be. Yeah. Well, you know, know, it's, it's funny. My, uh, a lot of the professors in my industrial design department, because they have been in in the industry so long and aren't necessarily following the explosive growth 3d printing has had over the last several years. uh, I remember having to explain to a whole class that a 200 and ish $250 printer is not a janky piece of fire starting trash that my professor tried to make it sound like it was <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, six years ago, that was the case. You know, you can get amazingly good printers these days for 200 bucks, which obviously, you know, everything's relative. $200 is not pocket change, but for what it used to be is incredibly cheap. And then I think the best part too, is it's like, cheap printers don't mean poor quality printers. Usually, if anything, it just means a little smaller, you know? Mm-hmm. A CR-10 works the exact same way an Ender 3 does. Like, literally the main boards, I don't know about now, but the main boards literally used to be the exact same boards. <laughs> so it's like, they all work the same way. You can get in cheap, you know, if you understand how to take apart an Ender 3 and put it back together, you'll know how to do it for a CR-10, you'll know how to do it for an Ender 5, and mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of, it's like, yeah, you know, start cheap, make mistakes, learn quickly, and then go have fun, you know? Right. Well, and I, <clears throat> occasionally it's, it, it's funny. I always end up like referring people to other people. Cause from doing this podcast or from the, some of the guests that gets on, I do, I do get DMS with 3d printing questions. And frequently I have to be like, bro, you're asking somebody five minutes ahead of you, man. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I get it. Um, believe. And I always tell people like, you know, go, check out so-and-so's YouTube or go over here and look at this or join this discord or join this. Go, Facebook go, go bug me. I, yeah. I, I, I will do my best to always answer a 3d printing question. Yeah. And that I'll add you to the list. Cause for a long time, I've just been telling, <laughs> Hey, listen, Frank's DM is a help desk. Like just go in there. And, uh, but the only piece of advice that I, that I have given people, um, and I, I don't want to like make it 
sound like it has a negative connotation, but there is one simple truth is that if you have several things that are bothering you or are not working, there is not a silver bullet that will kill all of them. You know, and that's, you know, it's the, yeah. it's, it's the way the human brain works. We want to find that magic pill that just one eighties, yeah. everything and everything. There, now there's no easy answer to stuff. No. It's, you know, <laughs> that, I mean, and actually that, that, that is a great point. I'm glad that you kind of brought that up. Cause that is the one thing where it's like, you know, one of the most common things I'll get is like, Oh, my print looks bad. Why is that? And it's like, okay. <laughs> there's one of six thousand reasons so I, I need a little more than this mm-hmm. so, yeah it, it's a matter of it's like it, it it takes a little while to be able to pick up on why things might not work and everything else and uh, i think it, it's a delicate balance between people don't want to be afraid of this technology when they're getting into it they want to be able to have confidence enough to make mistakes and fix things but they also don't want to just like go in and be like oh well i don't need to worry about anything it's all gonna work fine i can do whatever because at the end of the day it's like it is a tool and as long as you can figure out how that tool works you'll be fine um but yeah it's like i get stuck with stuff all the time you know Mm -hmm. i've i've been doing 3d printing for almost five years now uh and i still you know i'll hit up frank i'll hit up people that have been doing it shorter than me longer than me because there are just so many different things that you can hit roadblocks with. You know, it's like, I've got a printer that's been sitting in my living room, not working for the last week because I just cannot (laughs) figure out why it's not working. Yes. You're always learning. Mm -hmm. There's never like, I have mastered 3d printing. I can fix them all now. It's like, no, (laughs) they outnumber you a million to one. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, um, and I think the syndrome that, um, unfortunately not a lot of people have, which is what I did, which is just this belief that when you buy a 3d printer, that it's just a plug and play, that it's a microwave that I, that would, that plagued me for the first like three months. And I, people have heard me tell the story, but yeah, the first like three months, I thought there was something wrong with the printer. Like they sent me 11, like there's no way that something that this much money got spent on is going to have this many problems with it. Eventually you learn like, yeah, it might've been slightly more than ordinary, but at the end of the day, what I didn't realize is that I was getting a printer and in the same box came one massive learning experience. You know, that was, that was every printer, you know, unless you got like millions of dollars and feel like buying a quarter million dollar machine, every (laughs) printer that a average person will buy is a project printer. There is there are very few machines that are truly plug and play. And even the ones that, you know, a lot of people will argue are such as like say a Prusa or something, if you buy it pre-made, even machines that are like that, you'll still eventually have a hiccup. And it's always more valuable to learn about the technology, about the tools and everything else. Cause there's just, there's so much value in that. And that's the only way you can really get the most out of a lot of the machines. You know, it's like, you can experiment, try new stuff. Cause you're not worried about like, Oh, well, that didn't work. It's broken now. It's like, oh, okay, I'll tighten that bolt or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm, it, you know, and there's an interesting sort of like um, marriage there in that, for example, I've got a close friend of mine who just on stuff that I've been doing, he's decided that he wants to get into 3D printing. And so he just, he just ordered his, got another one. <laughs> yeah, I got another one. Um, so he ordered his first 3D printer and he's already asked me, like, hey, when it comes, can you come over and help me set it up and everything? And I'm caught like, in between the two things where I want him to get into it. Cause I know like once he gets over that, like hump, he's going to really enjoy it. 
but I don't want to turn him off ahead of time by saying now hey, you could have a problem with your extruder. It could be the kind of filament you're using. It could be your slicer settings. It could be, you know, you didn't clean your bed. It could be any one of a million things. Um, so I'm already just preparing to have like my phone on me 24 seven for like the first six months. And chances are half the time I'll be like, I don't know, man. You you got to go yeah. head up CTK, man. <laughs> like, go ask uh, him. The I, I think the the pain in the butt <laughs> thing too is it's like when you get started, it's like you, you don't even understand how to troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. So then, like, unless you can have like an actual friend in the room with you, a lot of the time it can be difficult to be like, oh well, I know that this is specifically the issue. It's like a lot of the time when you're first getting started, it's like you don't know you don't know what the issue is. You just know something ain't working. Right. Oh, it's making a scary noise. Or yeah. Like, oh, well, nothing's coming out. And you're like, you yeah. Know, you turn the nozzle on, and it's like you have to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I had that. The second print I ever did, I came back six hours later to a pile of spaghetti on the build yeah. plate. And when you're new, you're like, I, I remember just staring at it like an Ewok looking at a phaser like the hell, like I don't even, you don't even know where to begin. And I think that's where the quick answer comes in. Like you just want to be able to, and somebody can just say, Oh, good. Go to your printer and hit this button. And it'll never happen again. Um, it's a comforting thought to think that something's going to work that easy, but unfortunately it just does not sometimes. Yeah. Well, we are, um, we're getting up against the clock here, man. Um, anything you want to say to folks on the way out? Uh, I mean, for anyone who wants to get into this, like, please do. I, I, some of my best and long-term friends, I am lucky enough to have made through this community. Uh, so yeah, talk to other people, find, find other nerds, make friends, have fun. Uh, if your printer is making a scary noise, DM me, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we're going to add you to the help desk list. Like, just awesome. yeah, awesome. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I was referred to you by James. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. You're going to end up blocking me in about three weeks. So it'll be all right. So. <laughs> well, all right, man, Danny, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Been a, been a great conversation. We got through maybe half the stuff I wanted to bring up, but uh, that's okay that, that's how it goes right <laughs> well all right man we'll leave you be and uh yeah hopefully we'll get to talk to you again sometime awesome all right i appreciate it all right thanks man all right all right so that was the episode with danny curry hope you enjoyed it i had a lot of fun making it i want to thank everybody out there for tuning into the podcast liking sharing subscribing all that fun stuff i greatly greatly appreciate it i'm gonna get out of here but until next time i want to say i love all you hope you take care of each other and we'll talk to you next time